Oh boy, this is the last Friday in August. Man, how did this month go so fast? Crazy. Oh my gosh. So today, this Friday, we are talking about the last character that we want to talk about from the book, Math Disconnected, that John Lee and I wrote, and that is coming out the end of next month or the beginning of October. Hopefully, so hopefully soon. Yeah, hopefully we'll have all those details worked out and we'll get that out to you. But if you are on the launch team, being part of the launch team, all you have to do is join the companion course, and we're going to share all those details with you. So, who is this last character? Mm, this last character is Holly. And as all the characters, this is a fictional character. This character is unique, though, because each of the fictional characters are based on real students that Sherry and I have had. So, this is actually a combination of Sherry and myself and our development of what Holly has become. Mm-hmm. And not to mention that some of these characters were actually in a previous book, Making Math and Years, and Holly and Brian were two of them that you not only could see their journey there, but you can see their journey develop here. And we've really amplified mm-hmm. Holly's personality through this book because of Sherry's addition to the character. So I'm, I'm really excited about Holly. So John Lee asked me to do an evaluation on this child that I've never met. And I'm like, <laughs> you want me to do what? So what we did was we took some of the, the information of what she had about this live child that she has been working with that I've never met and talked about some of the, Other stuff, because part of an occupational therapy evaluation is not just putting words on paper or zippers and buttons. It's looking at the whole child. And one of the things that you had said about her is that she loved horseback riding and Mm -hmm. swimming. And as I reflect back Mm -hmm. on that, and I think about it from an activities of daily living perspective, Mm -hmm. Thinking about all the coordination that has to go in horseback riding and swimming. And where is this disconnect and this absolute hatred she has for riding when both horseback riding and swimming have been documented that they will improve riding? And if you haven't done so, look for Cindy Frederick Fulton because she has an equestrian therapy center. And one of the things that she's doing is utilizing the knowledge of horseback riding and what is happening. And she details in her course how horseback riding prepares a child for writing. And I took this knowledge from her. I took this thought about swimming My son was a swimmer, so I had some understanding of the coordination that goes into swimming. And I had basic knowledge myself. I can get through most of the strokes. And then there's the butterfly. (laughs) (laughs) And then there's the butterfly. Nobody can get through the butterfly, right? But this understanding. And then looking at it and trying to relate where this disconnect might be. I had this realization that 
If I were to actually give her an evaluation, she probably wouldn't score real well Mm -hmm. on a visual motor assessment. But yet, she might do much better with her visual perception. Because being on a horse, you have to have pretty good visual perception. Mm -hmm. You've ridden a horse. Mm Mm-hmm. I have in the past, but I've always had a ridden a horse when somebody was holding the reins. Mm. I've never had to, like, guide him to a a start and a stop. But you have ridden. What is it that you have some control over the horse to create the start and the stop and the— everything that goes together with the horseback Well, there are skills and techniques and strategies that you have to use to be able to control what the horse is doing. And, you know, as you're talking, and I know this is about Holly in the book, but as you're talking about the connections to horseback riding and swimming and math and music, I think we mentioned in another episode— these are not common knowledge connections. And I think one of the, the biggest points in the book, Disconnected, Math Disconnected, is how all of us as adults can come together to share our expertise, which is, is exactly the, the story of Sherry and I and our partnership, mm-hmm. how we can come together and share our knowledge and expertise to better help make these connections for kids. So as Holly is horseback riding and swimming, and she has these skills and techniques and strategies that is disconnected from her abilities in the classroom and specifically with writing and math because the teacher is unable, either the teacher doesn't have the knowledge or is unable to make the connection to Holly's strengths and skills in those other areas. And they probably haven't developed a really good collaboration Mm -hmm. with the occupational therapist and or some of the other related service providers that are available as resources for the teachers. Mm -hmm. Or they've reached out and they are developing that relationship. Mm -hmm. And it's just they're still working out some of the kinks to get that relationship. I mean, heck, it took us, what, five years to really work out our kinks to to uh, help facilitate and help you understand these connections. So as I was working with Holly and understanding where she was in John Lee's mind and creating in my mind what it might look like from an OT evaluation perspective, I really wanted to emphasize this disconnect with the writing because there is a huge connection with what we're putting down on paper versus what we're seeing in our brain. Mm -hmm. So when we read, neurologically, it's a sensory process. Mm -hmm. We're bringing things in through our eyes or maybe auditorily where it might be an audiobook. So we're giving that auditory. Those senses are those main sensory inputs. We have this cycle in our brain where it interprets. After that interpretation, there's a motor response. So what we're doing right now, we're talking. That's oral motor. That's a motor response. Writing is a motor response. So if you really want to get down to the core of neurobiology, reading 
stops when you go to interpret it in your brain. Reading fluency is really a motor response. Math fluency is a motor response. So this not sensory anymore, it's motor. So we interpret behaviors Mm -hmm. sometimes as negative. They are a motor response to a sensory input. That sensory input in Holly's case is, you want me to put things on paper? Well, I don't even know how to hold the pencil right. It could be she's thinking about whatever happened earlier and it was frustrating to her. You want me to put stuff on paper? (laughs) No. But Holly did understand math a little bit. Am I right? A little bit, but it had some, some pretty major deficits in some areas, especially with time and money. And those are very abstract um, fraction. So she, she had some deficits more than the typical student. Now, Holly is interesting because sometimes when we have students with these deficits or learning issues or disconnects, sometimes socially, they're a little awkward. Socially is where Holly thrived. She was, mm, that's right. she was outside on the playground at recess after lunch. She is the leader of the girls. She is, you know, sometimes the leader of the drama of the girls. You know, she's, she's very socially. Hmm, she sounds like the mean girl. She, you know, it's, it's kind of a mix. And I think that that shows the confidence she has in some areas, but in the classroom, quiet and non-participating. Because I think she was becoming, especially by third grade, becoming aware of some of her deficiencies, and she would then hide that in the classroom. But then on the playground, when it wasn't about school, she she really thrived and was a, a very strong leader, mostly in a positive way, but some, sometimes in a negative way. And uh, I think that really connects to some of the deficits that, that she had academically as well. So I hope this has you thinking about that child in your classroom, that outburst that's happening that you can almost predict when it's going to happen again. Or you're a therapist and you're going, I I know Johnny is going to be doing that in class. But I challenge you, when was the last time that you really sat together between a teacher and yourself? And I want to challenge you OTs go into a math class and watch, observe, look for what's going on in the classroom. And if you also, if you haven't gotten it, generally alluded to math, making math in ears. Making math in ears is a little bit more mathy than math disconnected. But if you are an occupational therapist and you really are looking for going to the next level and really engaging in your classroom, I'm going to challenge you in September. And I want you to write me and let me know how you (laughs) respond. So that way I know that you're listening to the podcast. But I want you to go sit in a math class and I want you to observe every student in there. I want you to observe the teacher. And if you're struggling for how to connect with them, I want you to consider joining my discussion group that's going to meet monthly. So I know this is a different little bit of a twist, but there's the companion course that you can join right now. 
There's also a discussion group that I am I am hosting monthly this coming year that one of the things that I want to really focus on is these collaboration skills and how these collaboration skills can be developed and breaking these barriers. And uh, the hair's going back on my head as I'm even thinking <laughs> this, that excuse me if I get a little bit sassy here. OTs can only work with letter formation. I am sorry. Activities of daily living include reading, writing, mathematics, music, social studies, art. They include everything from the moment we are born until the moment we die. We as occupational therapists can help a student. And I challenge you to find a way to help that student. And be empathetic as a general classroom teacher, general ed teacher, especially a secondary teacher who, you know, specializes in a certain content area. We, we don't know what happens in therapy. We don't know what happens. We don't know why it happens. We don't know the purpose of, of what you're doing. And that is the purpose of that collaboration. Absolutely. Because in our classroom, we are delivering our content and without the knowledge of what you're doing to help students engage in that content, we are not able to use your services to the kids' best advantage. Just like Holly, you know, when, when she's horseback riding or swimming, as a gen ed teacher, if I don't know what those connections are, I can't then bring that into the classroom to help Holly thrive as a general education teacher. We just don't know those kinds of things. So supporting and being empathetic of the general ed teacher and even sharing in a story that, hey, I was just listening to this podcast and there's this occupational therapist and general math classroom teacher who's now an instructional coach that are partnering up and helping each other support kids. Like, you know, that's kind of a weird pair and a weird match. Use us as an example of how we can help our students thrive. And Take it to your superintendent. Take it to your principal. Take it to your supervisor if you uh, special ed or wherever. Share this podcast with whomever you think needs to hear it. We are all stakeholders to help support these kids. Whether you're a board member, whether you're a community member, whether you're in the classroom whether you're a related service provider, a parent, a sibling, <laughs> a sibling is even part of the stakeholders. We can all help support these kids. Absolutely. Oh, wow. It has been quite the month. I'm sure. Wild ride. Lots of information. I hope that you've been able to take away golden nuggets. Please let John Lee and I know what pieces of this month helped you? What pieces of this month brought you success in the classroom? Learn more about how to create collaborations. Even in those situations, you're thinking it is never going to work. And since this summit is ending, what is their next best step? I think the companion course. If you're thinking, you know, what do I do next? How do I take action? I think the next best step in this process is the companion course to take all of the information that you've heard to the next level. 
And I know you have yeah. so many bonuses with that as well. So many bonuses. And then inside the companion course will be some information. Yeah, I, I mentioned the discussion group. There's also a lot of other things that are happening. By joining the companion course, you will be on the book launch team. That book launch team is going to have all kinds of fun stuff that's going to happen along with it. So just that in itself, you're going to get to hear a lot about what's happening. Absolutely. Really a behind the scenes of publishing a book. I mean, if you ever thought about that and yeah. and how to launch and, and market the book and how to share your message. And then, of course, the content of the book, which is how to connect with all of the stakeholder, stakeholders and better connect with our students. Yeah, it's just a multifaceted a- adventure. Absolutely. And I got to say, in the words of Stephen Curtis Chapman, let's join the great adventure. <laughs> <laughs> Get off your horses, we got a trail to blaze. Through the wide blue yonder of God's amazing grace. I know, didn't even know I could sing. Love it, love it. What a great ending. Remember, you were put here for such a time as this. It's been Sherry and John Lee. We are so glad that you are here with us. Thank you for joining us for this summit next month in September. We are back to the second Tuesday and fourth Tuesday of every month. Talk to you then. Bye, everybody.